Hi everybody, my name is Misha, aka Refilling My Wallet. And my name is David. <laughs> this is Finance Fails and Cocktails. <sighs> Hopefully we can hear you this week. Yeah, I'll try my best. Talking loud. Talking loud. We're, we switched to one mic today. Um, yeah, we think the other mic it might not work as well. No, it definitely works as well. We just have to figure out the technical aspects behind it. So I'm going to talk to Travis from We Still Like Each Other, the podcast, because he's <laughs> helping me out um, to try to troubleshoot from afar. So ah. that's cool. But um, what are we drinking today? So I think that I have made a drink that tastes exactly like a pink Starburst <laughs> or a Jolly Rancher. Did you put either of those things in it? No. So I um, mixed that cucumber lime vodka that uh, I have, and yeah. I poured in lemonade, and then I added grenadine. Ooh. You know, I actually did try it. Was, it was pretty good. It is pretty good. Yeah. I like it. I think it's a it's a very summer drink. And our 36-degree weather and that we had today. 36-degree weather. Anyways, um, okay, well, today is really exciting because we have a guest. Yay, another guest. So let's go ahead, dive in. We'll do the little intro music, and we'll introduce her. All right. Today we are welcoming Layla Uribe, who is a California-based marriage and family therapist specializing in severe mental illness and crisis response in community mental health. Layla also specializes in personal development, working past trauma and toxic relationships, and manifesting in her clinical life coaching business, Bravely Bossy. I'm doing good. Doing great. <laughs> um, you can find her on Instagram at Bravely Bossy. Layla does one-on-one coaching and will be launching the workshop, The Bravely Bossy Guide to Manifesting the Life You Want in April. So <laughs> welcome, Layla. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. We're so excited. Um, you are our second guest and this is our 19th episode. So it's just, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm really excited about this episode. Same. This this is an ambush. We are now seeing a marriage service. It's <laughs> <laughs> a trap. I knew it. Where my Star Wars shirt for a reason. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, so I posted a couple of weeks ago about um finances and friendships and kind of like how being the initiator in friendships really does pay, play like a heavy role on the person. And I relate to that a lot as like if I'm not initiating these friendships or these relationships or whatever, then I feel like they don't happen. And so I asked people like, Hey, do you guys want more on this um, in on the podcast? And they said, yes. Um, but I wanted to tie finances into it. So we brought Layla in. It's going to be super exciting. Yes. We but like guests. We do. We do. <laughs> okay. But before we get into this, it's, it's Monday. So the Will Smith, Chris Rock drama is all over the, everything what are your thoughts do you think whose team are you on give me everything (laughs) you know I I'm blown away by the whole situation I watched it several times and analyzed everybody's faces like is this fake this has to be fake no way is this real um and I have to say I'm gonna throw it to Sean King I think his synopsis of the issue is really on point that nobody wins it's just Mm -hmm. it's a terrible terrible situation Chris Rock is amazing. Will Smith is amazing. And it's awful. And my husband or fiance is full on team Chris Rock. He's like, it's a joke. You can't go there. 
And yes, kind of. But at the same time, we know, and I don't know if Chris Rock knows, but we know Jada is dealing with alopecia. And that mm -hmm. that's not something to joke about. So I do think the joke is a completely low blow. Shouldn't have gone there. But you don't hit people. You, exactly. you can't hit people. And so, you know, and I, I just am such a big Will Smith fan. And it's so sad. But then you can't go up and smack somebody. And then in your acceptance speech, say, uh, you know, love and light. Um, no. <laughs> um, so it's just so sad. I know. It's great. I am not fully convinced that it's not staged and no. everyone is disagreeing with me but I'm just like think about how they they're actors and they could be really really good actors and like sure this is a weird way to like make Will Smith's first Oscar I think right and it's it's not the best play, but it's all anyone's talking about and would anyone have talked about the Oscars otherwise like yes well, actually, probably not. I would not have looked into it, to be honest. I didn't even know it was happening until that happened. I was like, oh, wait, that's tonight? What? <laughs> yeah, I woke up to, like, notifications. And then every every TikTok, every Instagram, I was like, oh, this is going to be it. Yep, there it is. Um, but it's crazy because, like, a year or two years or whenever it was, was the Jada and um, August. Oh. Oh. The entanglement. entanglement. Yes. So I'm like, as a therapist, can we get your professional opinion on this? I would love that because I've been so mad all day watching all these memes about, um, I heard there was a really funny one about um, Will Smith hitting somebody for Jada, but it wasn't even his girl. It's somebody else's girl. And I'm just like, oh, it's, you know, we don't know their lives, but we're going right. to pretend we do. Um, <laughs> and it's really that they've made comments that they don't have a traditional relationship. Mm -hmm. So everybody vilifying Jada for cheating and all these things, they've had an open relationship. It's been speculated for a really long time. Mm -hmm. And when they went on her red table talk, they basically confirmed without fully confirming that that's the relationship they have. So it's not cheating. If one, they, they even talked about, they were separating at the moment, talking about divorce. Mm -hmm. And they have an open relationship in general. So I think she's getting too much heat for that whole thing. And everybody loves to pull that out like it's some dirty little secret. Mm -hmm. But it's it's not a dirty little secret. They're very open that they don't have this traditional monogamous lifestyle. And we're like putting our, monog our monogamous views on that. Mm -hmm. And I just think it's unfair to her and their relationship in general. And anybody that agrees to, to be in a polyamorous relationship that we're, we just keep throwing punches at her when she they're undeserved. Yes, that's very true because, you know, we we only get what the media presents us with celebrities. So it's, it, I mean, unless she writes a tell-all book or we pay attention to her Red Table Talk, like we're not getting, and even then we're not getting the full story. So it's very, it's very interesting how this all Hollywood celebrities. Everybody thinks they know everything yeah, and we yeah. we don't know anything I, I think all right well okay i wanted to, to open up lightly before we get into the heavy <laughs> trauma <laughs> of finances okay so i have several i wanted to kind of go through like several relationship levels um and i wanted to start with self i think do you think self's a good one to start with i do i really do it because it all that's where everything starts right Exactly. Exactly. So I feel like 
a lot of people in the debt-free community or even, I mean, in general, have these like financial traumas or like habits and it really shapes you into who you are and how you look at money. What are your, what are your thoughts on that? Where can we go with this? Well, everything. So yes, we're talking financial trauma, but trauma is trauma. Mm -hmm. And I think a really big piece is um, that trauma can be very small compared to some things, but I, I hesitate to use the word small because it can't be measured in that way. Mm -hmm. Trauma that might, it like a small trauma to us might not look the same thing as like an abusive relationship or uh, a natural disaster or fleeing war. Those mm -hmm. look like big traumas, but something that is more intimate and might only affect us. If we use the word small, it really impacts how people show up to themselves. They're like, mm -hmm. oh, but it's not that bad. Um, and being somebody who came from a toxic relationship and, and a lot of kind of trauma around being adopted when I was younger, there is this habit that I minimize and I know it happens to so many other people. Oh, but it wasn't that bad. But it still impacted me. And if we say it's not that bad, we're not working through it mm -hmm. because we don't think we deserve to work through it. We should just like suck it up. It's not that bad. So I think because one of your questions that, that you prepped me before was, um, the different types of trauma. And I, they could be something so small, things that you don't even know that it's a trauma. Mm -hmm. An example of that, kids are born into this world, blank canvas. They know nothing. We teach them everything. And so something that, you know, we've been adults for a really long time. We might not even notice that we did something a certain way, but a little mm -hmm. kid that's just kind of absorbing every single thing, it might impact them much differently than how we intend it to be or we're paying attention to. And one of the biggest things is you see kids all the time asking, oh, can I get this? Can I buy that? And as a parent, you're probably exhausted. You've been working how many hours a day <laughs> trying to save all your money, maybe paying off all your debt. You're like, kid, we have a budget, right? But mm -hmm. if it's maybe the hundredth time and you're tired that day, we see a lot parents get snappy. And there's nothing wrong with that. We're human. It happens. Um, but that getting snappy around money, something so seemingly small like that can really impact how a kid thinks about money going forward. Mm -hmm. um, and that applies to everything outside of money, too. Then all of a sudden you start talking about budgeting. The kid starts having like their heart races. They don't want to talk about it. They start fearing it. Um, and there's a really great study. It's Dr. Galen Buckwalter, I'm hoping I'm saying that right. Mm -hmm. um, but he did a study just kind of looking at personality and finances in general. And he found um, something that he wasn't looking for. And it says that like one in four Americans, and it's one in three if you're a millennial, mm -hmm. they have PTSD-like responses around money. So this could be avoidance mm -hmm. of talking about money. It could be... Um, so avoidance was one of the big ones, avoidance and denial, yeah. but it could be just traditional PTSD symptoms like hypervigilance and you just, you got really nervous. Mm -hmm. um, so because when we think about it, by the time we're a parent and we're parenting little ones, we have a very complex relationship with money. Mm -hmm. um, and we're just kind of putting that out there without giving a child any context usually because we don't think we need to. This new wave of parenting where we're really having conversations with kids is new, yeah. um, which is sad, but it, it's true. It's it's so new. And I hear people all the time. Why are you talking to the kid like it's an adult? Like it's it doesn't understand. Just tell it go away. It's like, that's not <laughs> how it works. Um, you know, it's 
and again, everything has to be age appropriate. Exactly. I mean, did your parents ever talk to you about money? Um, so my dad was, he was the one that mainly talked about money with us, to us. And he would always say like, count your pennies and save your money. Your will, yeah. Save your, your pennies and your grow. dollars will grow. So he gave me like little hints like that. Like, Oh, try and save a hundred dollars a month or something. But one thing I really wish he would have done is sat down and went over our like family budget. But honestly, I don't even know if he did that. Like we, we were pretty well off. So I don't even know if he had a legit budget that he could show me. So he talked about money, but probably not in the way where it sunk. And I knew as soon as I hit adulthood, like, bam, I know what to do. And that's my experience. I feel like, you know, parents, or at least when we were growing up, it was, you don't talk about money. Money is not a topic for anyone outside of the people whose money it is and like so I didn't know anything like how much do people make what's a good salary what's a bad salary like you don't know those things because you aren't you literally are not taught them so that's and then the other thing when you mentioned like you could feel your heart racing with like PTSD with money I've heard that like you you can when you think of money or think of money problems you feel those physically like Mm. and so you can notice like Oh, if, if you think like, okay, I don't have enough money to get me through payday, where are you feeling that? Your chest, your head, your stomach? Like, you know yeah. what I've noticed too with that kind of stuff is like I start to feel it in my back, like the stress goes to my back. So that's sort of interesting that I would have not realized five years ago. Yeah, it's very, it's, <laughs> it is crazy how much like it does have a physical toll on you. It does. And it can really, oh, yeah. I mean, I'm sure people are having like heart attacks over it and stuff. So it's not. That's not a study that's been done. I don't, don't quote me on that. But. <laughs> it might have been. We just don't know yet. Exactly. It's, <laughs> it is crazy. Like the, our history really does shape how we are with money. And I feel like it's kind of hard to change that, right? Like the mindset shift. It, yes. In, in a sense. So it's always hard to change kind of the foundations that build us. It it takes work and effort. And I think one of the biggest pieces is something you just spoke to is if you're trying to make any kind of shift, you need to reflect in yourself and figure it out. And so sometimes we don't even know what our issues are. So if somebody says, oh, you really need to change your perspective about money, let's kind of figure out what you feel about it. And you're sitting there, you're like, I don't know what I feel about it. (laughs) I've never thought about it before. And that is a really good piece of advice about checking in with your physical body. So start thinking about different topics and ask yourself where you feel it. And that's going to give you a really big hint Hmm. because then you'll start thinking, oh, I feel this in my back. What are other times I have feelings in my back? And maybe you've already made associations with those, right? Mm -hmm. Or at least it could help you narrow it down, but really checking in with yourself, not just kind of your thoughts, but your feelings. Mm -hmm. And sometimes if if you don't do a lot of feeling work, checking in with your body is a really great way to start identifying what your feelings are. That's really interesting. So what should you do to like combat, like if he's feeling it in his back, what would be something that he could do to stop feeling it in his back? Or what, what does that tell your brain? Like what should you be doing with that information? That's a really good question. So what you want to do with things like that is you need to shift and reframe the mindset that you're in. Mm -hmm. So one, just acknowledging it is gonna be the biggest part because if you can't, acknowledging it, most people have a really tough time just with that. So acknowledging, oh, it's that back pain again, I see it. And once you're past that step, and this is gonna be really different for everybody, it's really individual. Mm -hmm. But once you get past the recognizing where you feel it, you start asking yourself questions about 
what is that specifically about? And you can kind of go around different money topics. Do you have this feeling about everything related to money? Is it only certain things related about money? And then you start digging deeper. Okay, what belief do I have? Right. And one mm -hmm. of my biggest things that I say to everybody all the time is you don't believe everything you think. Right. Mm -hmm. Everything you think isn't something that you actually believe shouldn't make it out of your mouth. Um, <laughs> So you have to sit with those things. And first, what, what do I think about this? And then you want to dissect, is that a true belief that I actually feel? Or is that something I'm kind of parroting? Because that's what we do um, mm -hmm. sometimes. And then once you feel if it's a true belief or not, then you have to do the work to reframe it. And this could be like positive self-talk. This could be um, affirmations, mantras. Um, and it doesn't have to sound so woo woo. I love the woo woo, I love um, you. But, <laughs> but you know, it, it doesn't have to be that way. It could just be, I have a backache because I paid this bill late and it, and it really hit something in me. Mm -hmm. And you can see like, what are you avoiding that you're paying it late? And you could realize maybe you are having a PTSD response, maybe mm -hmm. not, but maybe you are. And it's, you're avoiding these things because you used to not have enough money to cover bills. And so, mm -hmm. You haven't acknowledged that you're budgeting now, you're doing things a little bit differently. So every time you're late on something, even if it's an accident, because that happens, you could be mm -hmm. really good with money and something happens, we're human. But you go back to that old response. This just happened to me the other day. I totally was so busy, forgot to make my car payment, had the phone call and I completely went into like old life where I had really difficult time paying bills. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, wait, I'm not there. I just made a mistake. It's right. fine. I'm okay. I'm going to pay this right now. No, it's not a big deal. But I had to like talk myself through it. I was just like, <laughs> oh my God. That happened no. to me too. Remember when I missed my student loan payment by like two days? I freaked <laughs> out for the next like three months and I paid it like 10 <laughs> days early <laughs> the next couple times. I mean, that, that makes a lot of sense, especially if like growing up, you know, your life maybe were getting cut off or like you were, you know, trying to hide the car from, from the people who towed away when you don't make <laughs> yeah. the car payment. And then yeah. you miss that car payment. You're going to have the like memory of that happening. Even if it's like not at the forefront, it's like, oh my God, if I don't pay this car note on time, like they're not going to, they're going to take my car away. And it's like a very real thing for people. And it's, it is something people need to work through. Yeah. Yeah. And I think childhood, um, poverty or severely low income earners, mm -hmm. it, it's really hard because you are from the beginning only seeing this difficulty with money mm -hmm. and really, really having to re kind of parent yourself. And we see this a lot with people who grew up in the Great Depression, whether it's with money or kind of hoarding resources. It's a very, very similar situation. That's like your dad. Yeah. Like he is very much like, oh, we're getting toilet paper. We need to get toilet paper for the next three years. Like, okay, it's fine that it's on sale. Get an extra one. And I think she, you hit it right on the head for him. His family sort of grew up poor. So it was like everything on your plate, you better eat it. You know, if something's on sale, you better stock up. So that is carried with him and how he is well off. And he still has those habits and is like, using sort of sense of panic and it's him. it's very like he does not want to waste food or anything i mean he is a millionaire and he's still like oh this meat is going bad like this deli meat is going bad and we're all looking at it like you should not eat that he's like oh it's fine it's good and i'm like please <laughs> it's don't. a different color don't eat that it's like we have other food like there's other options it's okay to throw this away and he just his mindset is like we cannot waste this like because that's, that's how, how it was he grew growing up. up yeah 
Yeah, my dad was one of 12. Whoa. And my grandma, um, by the by the time the kids were a little bit older, was a single mom. Mm. And things were tough. And so really hoarding resources, like, you know, he's financially totally in a different space. And like, they had to share the tiniest room with so many kids. So I think he overcompensated, like they live in this big house with just the two of them. He's like space. I need all the space. He had, he'll use his own separate bathroom. It's my bathroom. Nobody's in my bathroom. <laughs> um, you know, it's our childhood really impacts us. And if we don't take the time to really acknowledge it and work through it, mm -hmm. it could be something just quirky, like David's dad or my dad, or it could be something a lot more difficult. Mm -hmm. I, that's, that's very true. Well, I think one thing that uh, now we have a one-year-old, we sort of try and pay attention more to our actions and the things we do because you're like they just absorb everything, as you're saying. And uh, you sort of got to think about there's a person watching you 24-7 now. So whether it's finances, just our relationship, everything, I you do. sort of start to really second guess how you're doing things, I guess. It, and I know this isn't related to finances at all, but like, and I know the whole gentle parenting thing. Some people are like, no, 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 but whatever. We're trying to like really be cognizant of what we're doing and how we're reacting to things. Because it's like, if you react huge to something like, oh, I spilled this milk. And it's like, oh my gosh, I spilled the milk. I'm such an idiot. And la, la, la. like, he's going to take that in and be like, this is how you react to something mm -hmm. small. And I just... Yeah. I very much don't want to do that to him. Yeah. And I, and I want to touch on the piece that, because I, I follow your page, you're, I'm such a fan, um, <laughs> but I've been watching your, um, your plates for him. Um, and that is such a great approach and not again, not to just food. It's mm -hmm. everything that we want our children to learn there's an age appropriate way to do it. Like that it comes to eating and having mm -hmm. a healthy relationship with food, finances, how we talk about consent. You know, mm -hmm. we're not gonna talk to somebody your son's age about, about like big words around food. We're not gonna talk about consent in, in a really structured way that we mm -hmm. might be talk to our 11 year old, but we could read stories. We could, you, you just put a plate of food down so that there's no association bad or good with food because food is food. It's right. not bad. It's not good. It fuels our bodies. Some things fuel it better than others, but it's not bad or good. Mm -hmm. And the same thing with finances. Um, money is money. Could we, is it, do we have more privilege if we have more of it and we can make better decisions? Yes. But does it mean our lives are over if we don't have enough of it? No, there's still love. There's still all these things, hopefully, mm -hmm. you know, every, I don't want to talk in general. Every household is really different. And sometimes no, that's talk really is good. just tough. I love that. I think that's that's a very good mindset to take to things. And like you said, with the food, I'm just, I'm so aware of like the, I'm obviously, I'm not the perfect anything, but I'm just trying my best with the tools that I have. And so it's like, I know how like easy it is to have a complex with food. I know how easy it is to be like, oh, nope, I can't have dessert. I can't have desserts only for this. And it's like, no, pudding is fine. Eat it. Like, if you want to eat it first, eat it first, whatever. Like, you'll, I just really want to make sure that we're setting the building blocks for his literal future, how he treats his kid, how he treats his spouse. Like, it's very important to me. Yeah. <laughs> and I agree. you too. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I, I want to touch on one more thing you just oh, said yeah. about I'm not perfect. I'm doing my best with the tools that I have. Of course. 
do when you're parenting your child, do you expect him to grow up and be perfect? No, absolutely. <laughs> and we have to. <laughs> okay, David. Um, <laughs> so you know perfect this. like me. <laughs> um, please. <laughs> but we we want to show our child the struggles too mm -hmm. because at some point they are human they are going to fail and right. sometimes they're going to fail hard and you want to give them the tools to know what to do with that so that it doesn't completely derail their lives like mm -hmm. you hear a lot of the time people talking about arguing and and setting a good example for their kids we never fight in front of the children great so what happens if they get in a fight with somebody and they don't have the tools to repair it mm -hmm. like no you don't want to have screaming matches where there's abuse going on right but disagreements are going to happen and having them see what a healthy disagreement looks like or maybe on the side of okay that wasn't a good disagreement but where everybody's safe and healthy and mm -hmm. then we can have a conversation where the child sees us um apologize to each mm -hmm. other and make up and i think it was just going off in my head. Somebody, I think it was Kristen Bell, um, because apparently I'm into all this celebrity gossip. But I didn't even know <laughs> I how, how it. into it I was. Um, <laughs> but she was saying that sometimes when her and her husband, when they have an argument that maybe the kids saw, and maybe they make up at night when the kids are in bed, they recreate it in the morning mm -hmm. so that the kids can see the repair. And I just thought that was so genius because you really have to show the bad and how to fix it how to make mm -hmm. it better. Um, because again, they come into this world knowing absolutely nothing and you need to teach them these tools. And in the world, there's gonna be bad things that happen and yeah. they need to know how to approach it and deal with it. Agreed. You know, one other thing I like about that too is that it shows like you saying like, I messed up, I wanna correct this and like go about it and apologize and rectify it, you mm -hmm. know? I do like that aspect because they just see that. And like you're saying, they learn how to handle that. Well, think about how many people you know who like won't apologize. Yeah. Yeah. That's like what I'm how they struggle to do that. And it's like, is it because when they saw fights growing up, they never saw the repair or maybe the repair never happened. Well, what I really like is when the other person like admits I screwed up. Cause like, I think it takes a, a lot of people won't do that. Mm -hmm, and yeah. I mean, so for your, you know, kids to see like, Oh wow. Hey, just said like, my fault. That's, right. that's sort of cool. Taking ownership of that and showing them that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's especially important for kids to see that grownups can be wrong. This is like mm -hmm. on so many levels, this is really important, but especially when we're kind of talking about consent and stranger danger and safe adults, mm -hmm. they need to know that not all adults are right mm -hmm. and correct. And like, there's a safety thing. Everybody can be wrong. And that's really important for people to know. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. <laughs> we we really dove into like self and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> parenting so i love it i think we did I, I feel like we're about to ready to move on to friends are is there anything else i missed on self i think i think i i took notes i think i've covered most of it i think we're good <laughs> okay. so the next relationship and you know i totally forgot to do like significant other relationships but whatever um we'll talk about friends um okay friends there's boundaries that need to be set there. I mean, I know some people are like, should I loan my friend money? Should I not loan my friend money? What are your thoughts on this? Every relationship is different. You know your friends better than some stranger on a podcast telling you about your friends. <laughs> but I think there's some rules that you have to know with yourself first before having that 
-hmm. that making that decision. And I think one big thing is like, you are a big advocate about talking to friends about money Mm -hmm. and maybe even preemptively, do you have conversations about your friends about loaning money, like bringing in another person's, like how you do your other people's other people's business. Thank you. Um, how you bring those things in, like talking about those scenarios that mm-hmm. could be with friends, it could be with a partner, whatever topic it is that you want to broach and talk about kind of bringing ideas like that in to just see where everybody's at with the conversation could be helpful. Again, that's, that's like takes planning and preparation. Maybe right. we're not there. And our friend asked us two minutes ago to loan them money. Um, <laughs> but you really want to know what your values are before it happens. So one, Mm -hmm. do you want it to just be a gift? Do you, if a friend comes to you asking for money, are you like, yes, I will give a friend money. It's this amount only, nothing more than that. It's going to be a gift. Or if you're going to loan the money and you don't expect it to be a gift, you need to have something in place. And I know that sounds really terrible. Like I'm going to have a contract with my friend. Yeah. But it's also really terrible if you don't and something happens. Mm-hmm, so yeah. either, either decide if it's going to be a gift, if it's not going to be a gift, what parameters you and your friend are discussing beforehand. I'm not saying like, go get a full contract notarized or anything like that, mm-hmm. though. You could, you mm-hmm. could, um, but even just like, Hey, this is how long I'm going to pay you back. This is what it's going to look like. I'll pay you a hundred dollars every two months, whatever it is that you decide. Yeah. And then you have to decide what happens if they don't pay you back. Right. And I feel like that's where like the struggle comes. It's like, my friend's not paying me back. They're going to Vegas. They're doing this, that, and the other. And it's like, what do you do? Like, how do you, what do you do with that friendship? You know, yeah. I sort of like what you were saying about, even if you get something in writing, set the, or even verbally writing is probably better, but set the expectation of, okay, I don't really care what you do with your money, but it's expected you're going to be $50 every month back. Something like as simple as that, you know? Definitely. And I think when you don't talk about it, it gives a lot of gray area mm-hmm. and just having the conversation. So everybody knows, and then also just being prepared to, if they don't pay it back, because stressing about them going to Vegas, doing whatever they're doing with their money, that's not good for your friendship. So right. at that point, you have to decide if you're going to write it off, it's going to be a gift, they're going to do whatever they want with their money, and it's not your business. And you're going to take that stress away from yourself, and you're going to enjoy your friendship. Or you're going to decide my friend doesn't value me, that friendship's over. Or hopefully, you're going to say, hey, I'm going to have a conversation with my friend. Um, I'm going to let them know I don't feel valued by these actions, because they might not know. They might just be in a completely different space with money. Because again, we all have our own associations. Mm -hmm. So you're thinking that's them telling you that they don't value you. And it's them just not even thinking about it at all. And you are a great friend to them and they love you so much. They just didn't realize. That's that's such a good point. Uh, I just finished a book called The Four Agreements. And it talks about like, don't make assumptions. So (laughs) you're talking about like, your friend might not know. They just might have a different mindset. That is like. A great point and that's very true like that's just about finance especially yeah um yeah it's that communication we sort of stress it on this a lot when we read those uh, other people's business like come on man you gotta communicate <laughs> so i think between those two that's good there's like two like phrases i can think of when it comes to like loaning people money and it's one the first one is it, if you're loaning someone money, you're not getting it back. Like just <laughs> yeah. go into that mindset and you'll be fine. And yeah. the other is if someone owes me money, I can never be broke. 
<laughs> and so it's like, which, which, which path are you going to take? Like, just let it go? Or look, I'm never broke. Like, if, I, if you always owe me $10, I got credit. <laughs> so that's, that's very, those are some good mindsets. And it's very true. Every relationship is different. Do, do what's best for you. Communicate. That's always the key. Communicate. Yeah. Okay. Different tax brackets of friendships. Could I be friends with my CEO, despite the fact that he makes, I don't know, 10 times more than me? <laughs> At least probably. Yeah. And that goes to what kind of friendship you have, right? Mm -hmm. uh, yes, you absolutely could be if you have really good boundaries, great communication. And, you know, you don't want to be friends with somebody that, um, you know, every summer they spend three months on a yacht and they expect you as their bestie to be on that yacht paying your share to be there because they're asking you to fail, mm -hmm. right? You don't want a friendship or maybe you do want it, but you should really check your priorities <laughs> if you want a friendship where somebody expects more than you can give. Very true. I think that's really, really important. It's like you need to know what you're putting into a friendship and taking out of it and what you can physically and mentally and financially. financially do because if you can't do it that friendship is not going to work like if they're expecting something it's it's just not going to work like it just won't yeah. you know i will say i've had friends for like um bachelor parties be straightforward and be like i can't afford that mm -hmm. so i mean that's sort of something that you gotta think about too because i know we always talk about sometimes people have like extravagant extravagant uh bachelor or bachelorette parties and we're mm -hmm. like you got to think about what you're asking your friends. One, they're taking time off work for this. Two, you're asking them to fly across the country and go wherever and spend the week there. So I, that's like it's, something I think people sometimes don't think about. You financially can, but. On like TikTok, they'll be like, oh, this is how you like do like a bachelorette party for this price or whatever. And people are like, I don't understand. If you have a year and you know we're going to Vegas, you should be able to put that money aside. And it's like, that's not every everyone's financial priorities are different and they might have other things that their money has to go to. Yeah. yeah. And then this becomes that thing and I'm not, so this is where it gets a little dicey and I don't remember, this was on somebody's Instagram. This was like a, a topic that came up and I, I don't know if it was yours or somebody else's, but kind of where you talk about when different partners make different amounts of money and mm. like, is the expectation you do things 50, 50 or you, um, you break it up kind of like I'll pay 60% and this person will pay 40% because that's how we're funded, right? So it's the same thing with friendships, not that somebody who makes so much more money should treat you. Right. But it's something that if you are the person that makes more money and you really value this friendship and you really want to go to Paris and you really want your friend there mm -hmm. and they can't afford it, before asking them, you need to ask yourself like, what is my reality here? Is this something that I want to treat partially, treat fully? These are just things you you should have conversations with yourself, especially if you know you make more money than your friends. And likewise, if you're the friend that makes less money, like having these conversations with yourself, like how am I going to approach my friend if they ask me to do something I can't afford? Because one, if you're in a friendship, you should feel comfortable having these conversations like I can't do that or... Mm -hmm. Or something. It's just what kind of friendships are we having? And if we can't really talk about these things um, that impact our life. I agree. I think like people are so afraid to talk to their friends about money. And it's like, 
if we're going to be doing things where it's going to be spending money, we need to have like that open and honest communication because if we don't like one of us is going to either try to do that and end up in a bunch of debt trying to mm. keep up with the Joneses. Like that's literally when you're trying to keep up with the Joneses. Like, oh, well, they got a Peloton and they want me to get a Peloton too. So I guess I'll just swipe the card. And I mean, that's your friend does not ideally your friend doesn't want you to go into debt yeah. for, to maintain a friendship. Yeah. And if they do, they might not be the right friend. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And and that's the thing. If somebody's not even verbalizing it, right? But it's mm -hmm. they keep inviting you to big things and you've had those conversations, but they only want to go to lavish things with you. Mm -hmm. There's enough free things in the world that there's a red flag in that relationship. If mm -hmm. if you can't go over to your friend's house for a free movie night. Mm -hmm. Or if they can't come over to your house and the, they only want to hang out with you at expensive clubs or going on vacation or the the yoga class that costs so much money. It's, mm -hmm. you know, what what's that say? Are you only friends outside? <laughs> Can exactly. you not be friends inside doing something simple? I, I wholeheartedly believe like that's very true. Like if you can't just can we just hang out? Can we go on a walk? Can we do these things? And if you can't, like, you know, sometimes I feel like there's always this like obligation to do something rather than like going for a walk in the park. Like, I don't know what it is. It may be a society type thing, but it always seems like we got to go out and do something, you know, Which spend money, spend money. <laughs> like, it's almost like, well, let's get a drink. Let's get food. Let's go do this thing. And it's maybe it's because we are trying to escape this life of a mundaneness. And it's like, oh, well, I'm going to sit and have Netflix by myself. Like, what's the difference? Like, let's go do something. But I don't know. I don't know. And then this is where communication comes in. Because maybe it is that the friend doesn't necessarily want to be doing all these expensive things with you. Mm -hmm. It's just that we're conditioned to doing something is going outside. That's where you have the conversation. And what can make it feel like you're doing something without spending money? Because there's still a lot of options. There's free museum days. You mm -hmm. could go window shopping at a mall, which might not be so fun depending on who you are, but I love a good window <laughs> shop. Uh, but I know some people that's dangerous territory. <laughs> I can do it. I can go, I can go to Target and just look at stuff. I think if I'm with you. <laughs> you're with I bought a $5 tin thing yesterday. So I don't know that you are a preventer. <laughs> I freaked out for a minute. I still bought it. Target's <laughs> tough. That's a that's tough what, one. That's what split finances does. <laughs> I can buy my own stuff. <laughs> okay, let's see. Well, did you, okay, a long time ago, there was, maybe not a long time ago, there was this um, thing going around on TikTok slash Instagram about Broke Bobby. Do you remember this? No. Where like all of these rich people, they're very rich and they like created this spreadsheet and it's like, okay, this is my salary. This is how many PTO days I have. This is like a vacation, the amount of vacation I'm willing to, or money I can spend on a three-day vacation, a week vacation. I can go for a three-month vacation. <laughs> and at the very bottom was like Bobby. And he made maybe $100,000. And they were like, oh, that's Bobby. We call him broke Bobby. And oh I'm my like, goodness. He makes six figures or something like that. And I mean, the other people were very, very, very rich, but they still called him broke Bobby. But the idea of a spreadsheet, which got lost because of the name they gave their friend, um, was like, okay, well, we can see like 
what kind of vacation they can afford. And if we're going to go on a three month tour, like these people probably aren't going to go because this is their salary and this is how much they're willing to spend on a mm. vacation. Think you could do a friendship spreadsheet of money? Not if they're mean like that. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I would love to do that. I don't know that my friends would, but I would be like, oh, okay, this is why she can't always go on this vacation because this is her salary. This is how many PTO days she has. Whereas I have unlimited, I don't have unlimited, but let's pretend in this, <laughs> this made up spreadsheet. I don't know. I think it's a cool idea. And no, don't call your the lowest friend on the thing broke Bobby, but. <laughs> <laughs> that is an interesting concept. But for me, I just, my heart started racing. I'm like, oh, a spreadsheet. Like we're getting, we're getting that transparent. <laughs> I don't know about all that. I'll tell you how many PTO days I have, and I can tell you if I could make that trip. But um, spreadsheet, but on the whole spreadsheet. <laughs> yep. Here's my bank account while we're at it. <laughs> exactly. Uh, okay, I think this is going to be the big one. Is oh, wait anything else with friends before we? Move? No. No. All right. Okay, family, family and money boundaries. <laughs> I feel like that's almost harder than friends. Because yes. your family yes. is probably not going anywhere unless you're like setting that hard boundary, your family's going to be there. And how do you go about doing that? Family boundaries are so tough. And we are talking about finances right now, but this, it really goes into everything. Like mm -hmm. you, families can be absolutely toxic if that's the environment you come from, which boundaries galore and that could be with finances that could be with other things or it, that you could be just really in sync and have a great relationship and you don't need boundaries because it's just already understood because you grew up in the same environment you know what's okay and what's not and it could be really really easy mm -hmm. but oftentimes we don't see the really really easy we see the the um, more difficult say, maybe tough toxic is there an easy or functional family that we should model. I feel like there's so many like toxic moments. Um, shout out to my family. Sorry that you're listening. <laughs> but like, it's just like, is it, does it exist? Does that like white picket fence, happy family exist? Or are all of them just, I don't know, cooking meth behind the white <laughs> picket fence? Zero to hundred real quick. <laughs> you know, I think there, there's always going to be a version that's a little more picket fence and a little less toxic. There are definitely those families out there, mm -hmm. but the picket fences, we see it. No, because we take all problems off the table. Like there are no cleavers. That is mm -hmm. not a thing. It doesn't exist. The world isn't super awesome all the time. There's going to be issues. Things are going to come up. There's going to be stuff. There's mm -hmm. no way to escape it. No matter how healthy and well-adjusted you are, something's going to come up. It just might not be terrible, but nothing's perfect. There's always going to be a little something. There's going to be a day that you get upset and you lash out when you didn't intend to, mm -hmm. or you, you just, you shut in and you don't communicate like you wish you did. Um, even if you're really good at all those things, there's going to be a day where you're just not feeling it. Mm -hmm. I think that is very important. Like there's no, it's how you work through the, those moments, I think. And that's Ooh, what yeah. like makes it not toxic like yes maybe you're having a bad day or maybe you latched out and you shouldn't have but like how are you recovering from that and how are you moving through that and trying to make sure that it's if it happens again like this is what's gonna these are the steps that follow and exactly people probably struggle with that I'm sure 
Yeah, I sort of like how you put that because you're sort of identifying that everything's not perfect and we sort of have a plan about how we handle that. And I think if you handle it healthy, then it's probably going to be a good relationship. Very true. Very true. Yeah. And I think also giving yourself space if initially you don't handle it as healthy as you wish you would have, because that's okay too, as long as you know how to repair it. Mm -hmm. That's very true. Yeah. That's very true. Man, this is a good episode. We haven't <laughs> been at the, the heavy question yet. Um, okay. So I think we should start with, mm -mm -mm. okay, if your parents are in a worse situation financially than you and they expect you to help, I feel like a lot of people um, have that uh, dynamic, family dynamic, mm. where it's like your families expect you to help and you don't necessarily want to. How do you, what do you do? One, I'm going to say plan and prepare in advance, which I know isn't everybody's situation. Somebody's mm -hmm. dealing with this two minutes ago and I'll give that version too. But <laughs> using this podcast, once it airs as a way to communicate with your family about things like that, or mm -hmm. some other piece of research or something is going to be really helpful because I, my family, we don't talk about that. Like I, I try to get my parents to talk about an advanced directive um, because that's just the field that I work in. And I'm like, I'm really, I need to make sure this is in place. My dad will not discuss it, oh, um, <laughs> you know? And so it just like certain things parents won't talk about, but if you can start that conversation before it becomes a reality and ask your parents, like, what do you see your retirement looking like? What does it look like if, if you can't work anymore but all these things are coming up and you have no plan. What do you, ha do you have a backup plan? Do you, have you thought about this? Have you talked about this mm -hmm. and try and know in advance, because at the end of the day, our parents are our parents. And at some point it's going to be that, that transition from retirement to end of life. And in mm -hmm. one way or another, we are going to be dealing with it if we are in our parents' lives. Mm -hmm. So knowing kind of what to expect and if they can be involved in that process with you, great. You're super, super lucky. Mm -hmm. If they can't, you can do the work with yourself. What do you think is reasonable? What do you want to start putting something aside for that? Like you would a child's college fund. Like mm -hmm. what do you expect in that situation? What is your plan? Do you see your parents moving in with you? Do you see having to um, like send them to a retirement community or something like that? Start thinking about these things early if you have the luxury to do that and communicate mm -hmm. if possible. But what's going to be really big here is boundaries. Mm -hmm. So when it first gets asked of you, you need to ask all the questions mm -hmm. and ask for time to think about it and check your finances. Um, you do not owe anybody an immediate answer ever. Very um, true. And so knowing that, and if, if your parents get upset by that, you could just say, you know, I really didn't expect this conversation to come up. You kind of it came out of nowhere. You blindsided me a little bit. I need some time to think about that. Mm -hmm. um, I want to, I love you. I want to support you. I want you to be taken care of. I need to see what I can do mm -hmm. um, and ask for time. And if they don't understand it and they don't, they're yelling at you, they don't want you to wait. They want an answer now. Great. That's not going to happen. And mm -hmm. they're going to yell at you anyway. They're going to do whatever <laughs> they're true. doing anyway. So you could say, I need, I'm going to end this conversation now. Um, and that's really, really, really hard for people. So I don't want to say it like it's that easy. It's Come so on, easy to doing it. No, I, I not at all. And I realize that. Mm -hmm. But no version of this scenario is going to be easy. You need to pick your hard. 
Yeah, that's very true. I think like first people need to remember like I don't have to be in this conversation. Like I can get up and leave. I can hang up the phone. I can do these things ideally. Um, and also what's important in these conversations is if you have a significant other that you're sharing a life with, they should also probably be involved oh, with yes. your oh, yeah. parents' retirement. Like you, for you to like go and be like, oh, this is what we're doing for my mom's retirement. We're going to, you know, she's going to live with us. What? Like, <laughs> that's a communication Surprise. thing that, that should happen. Honestly, it probably should happen before people get married, but yeah, in a perfect yeah. world, <laughs> people don't yeah. usually think about that as like, it's like, oh, we want kids. Where do you want to live? Where's your parents you going to retire? That's something that I really, I mean, thought about, but not in that kind of detail of like, one day this actually might happen. <laughs> this this is the yeah. assignment for everyone off of this call. If your parents are still with you and you're still in their lives, you figure this out. What are their retirement plans? Yes. Do the advanced directive thing. Yes. Yeah. We should. And, and also, if, if they're resistant to the conversation, I would remind them and maybe not your specific parent, but for, for the most part, that whole generation that our parents are in mm -hmm. got completely bombarded with having to care for their their in, like dependent children and their parents at the same time. So mm -hmm. they should know and be prepared for this question better than any of us, mm -hmm. because most of that generation were just completely blindsided by having to care for an aging parent that they didn't expect to. Mm -hmm. Very true. I think that's, it's definitely a tough conversation. I feel like a lot of families don't want to have it and it's it's very much needed because otherwise the alternative is one day it happens and you don't, there is no chance to like not talk about it. It's like, well, it's happening. It's here. What's the plan? Who's paying for this? Yeah. Yeah. I, I was just crazy. I'm starting <laughs> to think stuff right now. Yeah. Are you feeling back? Yes. <laughs> but you also have to think, why does this conversation seem harder than other conversations? One, you're talking about money, which as, as we've heard from David and myself, like my, our parents didn't talk to us about money. So one, mm -hmm. you're now you're stepping into a territory that you guys don't have experience in most likely, right? Mm -hmm. Then on top of that, we're talking about end of life, which we all have our own feelings about it, how our parents feel about their life kind of getting towards its, its end and mm -hmm. how we feel about our parents' lives coming to an end. And then what that means for our own mor uh, mortality like there's so many complexes entering one conversation. It's like a bad bar joke. It's terrible. <laughs> yes, definitely. It's heavy. It's definitely heavy. Yeah. Okay. I don't know that this is going to lighten it up. My next question. <laughs> okay. What if your parents are in a worse financial situation and you're doing better? You're not expected to help, but you have a heavy guilt of the fact that you are doing so much better than they ever did or will do, can do. And then again, that's a conversation with yourself. One, where's the guilt coming from? Mm -hmm. Two, are you in a situation that you, you can do something for them? Maybe, mm -hmm. maybe you are in a space where you can, you want to, maybe they'll let you, maybe you want to, they won't let you. Mm -hmm. But then again, you could just, again, can you have that conversation with them? What are your plans? What's going on? Could I help in this way? Um, 
the, the terrible question uh, that we all I'm sure avoid because we don't want to think about it is what are your plans for when you do pass? Like, is your funeral taken care of? So maybe they won't let you do anything in life and you have the means to, and you feel guilty about it, but you could put money aside for that so that they have um, a, a burial that they, that mm -hmm. they would want. And then maybe that could appease some of the guilt. But again, we don't, we don't necessarily just want to appease the guilt. We want to figure out what, where it comes from. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that's a big thing. It's definitely probably like, I would imagine self-imposed for a lot oh, of people. Yeah. Like, oh, I feel bad that like I'm, you know, doing better than them. And like, should I be, do I deserve this? Like they raised me and here I am like, blah, which yeah. I mean, hopefully, ideally your parents would be happy for you that you're doing better. So exactly. it's definitely tough. And that's where you come in with the reframing, the positive affirmations, the mantras. That's where that comes in. Like they don't want anything from you. They they might not be doing as good as you, but they're fine. They're taking care of themselves. They don't want your stuff and you still feel that guilt. Mm -hmm. But it's like reframe it. I they gave me the opportunities that they didn't have. I'm I'm living a life where, where I'm well taken care of. I have mm -hmm. the things that I need. This is exactly what they would have wanted. And then use that guilt to to channel it. Like then you can start setting up for future children. Or if you don't have children, your nieces or nephews. If you don't have that, mm. your friends' children. Like set up generational wealth for other people. Uh, Ellington's awake. David's gonna go and take care of that. I was like, <laughs> I'm hearing crying. Is it me? But anyways, we can. He continue. wants to get in on this generational wealth parenting conversation he's like he knows he's gonna have this conversation later <laughs> I, this kid i tell you has never woken up during because we record it's like nine o'clock here so never woken up now today he does <laughs> i don't even know where the pause button is on this this new one so we're, anyways we'll keep going okay sorry about that i know ellington woke up which is very rare that happens i mean at it during our recording, he wakes up all the time. Um, but just gonna pick back up where we were. I think, well, now that I'm saying that, we're about to finish this conversation, but I think it was great. Like this is this is all very helpful. I think it's good for people to know and think about. I think, I mean, we could probably have, you could probably have your own whole podcast about <laughs> finances and the mental, toll that it takes and like in several different aspects of it. So thank you for being on our podcast. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. This was really fun. I don't get to talk about finances in relation to therapy a lot. Um, and the therapy that I do do is is like really specific. So it's fun to kind of broaden it a little bit when I get the chance. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that just the biggest takeaways for this episode, but just life in general, is communication and boundaries. Those are the mm -hmm. biggest, biggest pieces um, that are gonna impact our lives and finances related to trauma, having good relationships, mm -hmm. um, work, all of those things. It's just communi communicating, kind of knowing your own value system around things and how you feel about things. Mm -hmm. um, it's just so important. I agree. I think you're 100% right on the money with everything. So, I mean, where can we find you? Where should we be following you? What's what's next for you? How can we support you? Give us give us the tea. Thank you. So I'm uh, Bravely Bossy on Instagram. Um, I just started doing opening up to one-on-one -on -one coaching. Um, I've been doing therapy for over a decade. I just did the math. That question came up like multiple times <laughs> this weekend. Um, 
And I've been really in specifically community mental health with mm -hmm. um, people experiencing homelessness and severe poverty mm. for like eight years plus. Oh, wow. Um, and it's great and it's amazing work. Um, but really wanting to get back to really connecting with people that are in a different space, wanting to do work in a different way and really kind of personal development. I started working with teenagers in high school, which not saying we're teenagers, but it's <laughs> those things stick with you. Like talking about trauma, like we were earlier, trauma mm -hmm. stunts us in where yeah. we were. And junior high, high school can be, even if it's really good for you, it's still kind of a traumatic experience where all, mm -hmm. there's a lot of hormones, a lot of things going on for a lot of people and we're still learning how to be nice to each other. Mm -hmm. um, some of us are not very good at it. Um, <laughs> so there's a lot of kind of trauma in that space and getting kind of stunted there. And so I'm really big on, um, we come into this world sometimes with really fierce personalities, which is a really good thing. We need people to be themselves. We need those big personalities. It's not mm -hmm. fun, we're all muted, right? Mm -hmm. And so I'm big on refinding that if you lost it. And if you haven't, great, go for you. Mm -hmm. I lost it um, for a really long time. And just really coming out of that. Um, and so definitely if, it, if you're coming out of a toxic relationship, abusive relationship, narcissistic is thrown around a lot. And sometimes it really is. Sometimes it's just toxic. Um, yeah. But those are really big concepts lately. And sometimes you need therapy to work through that. Most mm -hmm. of the time therapy to work through that. I am um, a huge advocate for therapy. Get yeah. it. One of the best things I ever did. So I, if you find the resources, like they're there, if you can't do it, there are people who are going to say to you, Hey, if you ever need anything, let me know. This is that thing that you can tell them to do because oh, I've yes. had a friend who's like, Hey, here, you said you needed a therapist. I found one for you. She's in your network. Go. And I was like, great. Yeah. Now that has erased all of the work into finding a therapist. So yeah, which is really the hardest part. And sometimes mm -hmm. it's the fit thing. Yes, um, definitely 100%. I've had therapists that it just, they were great people, it just wasn't a great fit. Um, but when you find the ones right fit, like that got me out of a 13 year toxic relationship that I had been trying to get out of for a really long time. Mm -hmm. I was like a muted version of myself. Um, but then af after that, like at some point therapy has to end circumstances, COVID was happening. Mm -hmm. um, so I had to end it, but it's a really big thing that after you do the majority of the healing, there's a lot of work that you could do to continue and mm -hmm. find that voice and keep that voice and, and work through things. And that's, that's what I do. Um, so I do one-on-one -on -one coaching. I just did a workshop uh, for what you were speaking about, the Bravely Bossies Guide to Manifesting the Life You Want. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm going to open that back up again, um, an online version. I do it in person. Uh, so if you're in Northern California, let me know. Um, <laughs> but I'm going to be opening up an online version probably at the end of April. Um, exciting. Yeah. It's, it's almost April. So yeah, I'm really excited for you. I'm definitely going to be following along and sharing everything that you're doing. So, I mean, obviously stay in touch. We're going to probably talk in. Yes. <laughs> I'm in your DMs all the time. Exactly. <laughs> I appreciate it. I love it. I love the love. I love the communication and connections I make on there. So if you're listening, you're like, oh, I'm probably bothering her. You're not bothering me. I enjoy it. That's why I'm there. Because um, no one's paying me to do it. So, <laughs> okay, awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on. We've really loved having you. David is still with Ellington. Otherwise, you would hear him talking right now. Um, so I guess I'll have to do his little line. Um, don't forget to refill your drinks and refill your wallets. <laughs> Bye, guys.